Welcome to the vineyard. Very glad you're with us. Welcome to those of you joining us online. I'd like to get out here and see everybody. So good to see your faces or your eyes and everybody socially distanced. Welcome. Love to see you guys online. Too. I mean, I know I can't see you, but I get the idea. All right. So it's kind of like when you were a kid. Do you remember that there was a show and that the lady on the show would start saying hi to you as a kid out there? Hi, James. And you would go, you know, hi, Steve. It's me. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know where that came from, but here we go. So welcome. And uh, we're very glad to have you. So we're going to start a brand new series today. Uh, I'm calling it an unshakable foundation. Um, last couple of weeks, we were looking at Nehemiah and I said, you know, I felt like God was calling us to be rebuilders. And, and we looked at the, the qualities of rebuilders, you know, that Nehemiah shows us, that Jesus shows us. And so uh, I thought this would be a great time, really, if you're going to be rebuilders, to start with a foundation. And a good foundation is so important. But I, I want to tell you this about a foundation. Um, foundation's a lot of work. And I was thinking this week, uh, when I was a, a young man, um, I, with my dad, we actually built a couple of houses. And one of my least favorite parts of working on the houses was doing the foundation. And there was lots of different reasons. One of the reasons was it was really hot. There was no shade because you had nothing yet. You just had the ground that you're working on. So it was really hot. And it was tough work. It was, you know, back-breaking work. I, I think of pickaxes and shovels. Although the shovel was a ground-breaking invention. Um, no extra charge. But the other thing was... Um, you know those projects that you do? The projects that you do when you see something completed, you feel pretty good about. So those are pretty good. A foundation you cover up when you've done it. You, you know, so you don't really see it. So it was a lot of work that didn't get seen. However, it was like one of the most important things. Because if you don't have a good foundation, then the house is never really quite right. I, I've known people that have houses that weren't on good foundations. And they spent their entire times, you know, either in lawsuits trying to get whoever built it to fix it. Or trying to figure out how to fix it. And every, it would crack and it would split. And there was just tremendous issues. Well, this is true in in our lives as believers. And, and even if you've been a believer for a long time, we want to make sure that our, sound, our foundation is really firm. So we're going to be taking some time, because it seemed like a good time to do it, rebuilding and in this whole process of everything that's going on, to just focus in and look at the foundation. And our foundation is his story. I tell you that all the time. The Bible. Um, and the Bible is this amazing story. And it's really one big story from beginning to end. Too many people have tried to take it in bits and pieces. But it's not how it works. It's one big story. And, and it's his story. But we're invited into his story. And so I want to take some time to set a good foundation in the weeks ahead. By looking at some passages of scripture throughout the Bible. And seeing how they tie together. Let me say this up front. Some of this is hard work. And so I, I want you to know going in, I, I, we're, it's going to be, we're going to have to dig a little bit. It's, it's, it's going to be a little um, difficult, but it'll be so worth it. Because when your foundation is right, everything else is good. And, and, and I want to make sure that you're, you're hearing and you're understanding and you're part of his story. That his story is your narrative for life. Otherwise... We let these other narratives come in and, and push our story around, and it's no good that way. So we're going to take time to do some hard work and um, look at a foundation. I'm going to start with an introduction today, and then in the weeks ahead, we're going to really dig into some passages of Scripture 
together. So that's what's coming up with the uh, whole foundation thing. Bad joke time, although you, and you already got one. That was a bonus joke. Um, I try to be geez, uh, cheesy when I make uh, jokes, but apparently most people are lactose intolerant. See? Lactose intolerant. 6.30 is the best time on the clock. Hands down. I like that a lot. I'll tie it into this one. So I told this one before, but in the last couple of weeks we've been doing a song, a worship song, and it has a very Irish feel to it. And uh, it's a worship song. And uh, a long time ago I told you this joke. I said that, that, that the best kind of dancing is Irish dancing. Hands down. And that's not as funny to you, unless I do this. Still nothing. I'm going to invite my wife up. I'll tell you a little story. She comes up. This is a funny story. This happened to us Friday. So on Friday. You're going to tell that story. Alice, my love. I'm going to share this story because it's a great story. So um, she was trying to install a new app on the television. Um, Apple TV. Apple TV. And she wants the PureFlix app, which is good. It got a lot of Christian content on there. And so I said, cool. And she was working on it. And I said, I, th- I think I've got that. I've, I got an account with them from some point in the past. And so she's putting in my email address and we're trying to figure out what password it might have been, which is difficult on the Apple TV. You don't really have a keyboard. You can kind of try and move the letter around, you know, very frustrating with the remote or it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Or you can hold the button and talk it in. Yeah. A- and, um, uh, and I'm pretty confident that you can hold down that button and you can put the remote wherever you want and the, the TV hears you. But my, my, uh, my bride is doing it like this. So I want you to get the picture. Yeah. She's holding the button and talking into the little remote to try and get the password in. And I, I suggested a couple of passwords and I think she's on about the third one. And I'm in the other room while she's doing this and I, I hear her do this. So she's holding, she's going, capital B, regular letter size L. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot the word. I'm thinking, there's no way that worked. You know what I mean? I I kind of stick my head around and I can see she's kind of like... Well, the whole TV then just shut down. It's like, okay, Uh, you're not an adult. Clearly you can't. I'm like, lowercase? Yeah, that's it. (laughs) So... We, and then we just roared. You know, it's one of those things where we were dying laughing and her whole picture of this whole thing. And you know how you forget a letter, Sundar, a word? You forget them. We forget them sometimes. All right. But anyway. holding that funny. We made it. Wasn't that okay? I'll move over here. Go ahead. No, you're still holding I know. I'm doing, doing my imitation of you. It's just this little thing and I don't understand how it could hear me. Okay. Anyway. Sometimes you gotta laugh at yourselves, you know? It's, uh, you need it. You need that joy and that laughter. But let's let's get serious here with the Lord again and pray together. Amen. Mm. Father, we thank you that you do come into our lives with joy and you give us laughter in the most unusual moments. And we thank you, Father. We thank you for that. We thank you, Father, for today that we got to worship you with all our hearts, Father, and, and bring to you everything that's in our hearts, Lord. And that you bless us, Father, when we worship you, we get freedom and healing. And, Father, I thank you that as we learn in your word today, all you have for us, Father, we're going to remember that you overshadow our lives with deliverance, Father. That all throughout the Bible, your people, Father, have been delivered. And we thank you. And we're going to remember that today. And it's on the solid rock of Jesus Christ we stand. Amen. Okay, the the text today is going to be out of the 
Passion Translation. It's a pretty relatively new paraphrase, and Steve likes how it sounds out of this, so let's, let's go there. It's Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 24. Everyone who hears my teaching and applies it to his life can be compared to a wise man who built his house on an unshakable foundation. When the rains fell and the flood came, with fierce winds beating down his house, it stood firm because of its strong foundation. But everyone who hears my teaching and does not apply it to his life can be compared to a foolish man who built his house on sand. When it rained and rained and the flood came, the wind and waves beating upon his house, it collapsed and was swept away. Blessed be the word of God. I had to learn to, when we do that little kiss there, to make sure my microphone is off, because apparently the sound wasn't good for people. Well, it grossed Douglas out anyway. Yeah, yeah. Ew. Oh, well. So his story. Listen, as I said, we've we got to dig in to the, the whole story. And... Um, it's an amazing story, the Bible. Last week, I told some of you, if you had the chance to read the first two chapters of Genesis and the last two chapters of Revelation, because you see how it all ties in, and there's all these things that happen in the middle. But all of it works together. And, and so we sort of have to have a, a hold of it to see how it works. I'm, uh, in my own uh, life right now, I'm doing a real intense study in the book of Galatians, and um, I'm doing it online. And throughout there, it's, it's so important when you're looking at a book, a letter by Paul, because he constantly brings the whole story in. And if you don't know the story, you're going to take what he says out of context. So he started, he talks about all sorts of stuff. The Apostle Paul, in a little tiny letter, he's got, you know, Abraham involved in this thing, and he's got the law coming in, and he's got things that happen, and things that are going to and, and And so, knowing the whole story allows you to have a context for what's going on. So one of the ways I thought we would do this is we're going to start today with this introduction is to look at this story as sort of a five-act play. So we just kind of know where we are as we, as we look at different parts of the, the whole story. And so the very first act, I'm going to call that the good creation. The first act of this story is the good creation. And pretty much this is Genesis 1 and 2. Uh, we, we read about the good creation. And uh, in Genesis 1.31, it says, God saw all that he had made. And it was very good, and there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. We're going to dig more into the creation story in the weeks ahead. But, uh, and you've heard me throughout the years, I talk a lot about creation and exodus, because I want you to know what's going on, because they, they find their way into the whole story. Well, what really happens there in creation, uh, what you see in those first two chapters, the best way to describe it, is that what God has created that's good is he's made a cosmic temple. I want you to get used to that word temple or tabernacle um, because that's an important thing to understand in his story, how it really ties itself together because it's a big deal what's going on with that. And, and what God does in creation is he creates a place where, where he can dwell with us. It's a place where heaven and earth will meet. Whenever you think about temple or tabernacle, I want you to think God and people together, heaven and earth coming together. And that's a story. And, and so that's what happens in Genesis 1 and 2. The good creation is this cosmic temple, if you would, that um, um, God's going to be there and he's going to put us there. 
we're going to have mission. We have purpose. Mankind, uh, he's going to partner with us. And he doesn't need to do it this way, but this is how he chooses to do it. Partner with us. And, and what happens there in Eden then is going to go throughout the rest of the planet. That's the whole deal. That's what we're supposed to do. Go out and subdue things. We make everything to, under authority. And off we go, partnering with God. And, and everything is going to be like Eden, only over the whole planet. That's the plan. So that's where we start. So remember, we start with God's intention is that we're together, heaven and earth together, God and people dwelling together, everything perfect. It's, it's, um, it's hard to imagine perfect, but take some time every now and again and think about what it must be like to be in a place where none of this broken mess happens. There's no shame, there's no fear there's no death there's no sadness there's no crying there's none of those things it's just perfect us and god hanging together having life that's how it all started that's the first act well then the second act act comes along in genesis 3 and i know the second act's kind of a long act but but uh, the title but it's the rebellion of humans against god's good purposes for creation that's what really happened mankind rebels we rebel we have this amazing opportunity for relationship with God to go on forever and everything is perfect. And, and yet, we choose to rebel. Um, in effect, everything is good. Everything is for us. We're hanging out with God. He says, just stay away from that one tree. That was really the limitation. People go, well, why in the world would he put the tree there? Well, ultimately, everybody has to have a choice to love God. If you just were forced to, it wouldn't really be a love relationship. It would be something else. There would be so you, everybody gets to make a choice, and the way the choice was made, don't do that. It's one thing. It's not like there was a whole list of things. Don't do that. Don't do that. Well, you know what happens is that the enemy comes along, and he's rebellious, and he entices. Uh, Adam and Eve, to do the one thing they're not supposed to do. Genesis 3, 6, and 7. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Make sure you see that part. People want to blame that it was all Eve's fault. Adam was right there. He was with her. They were together in this. And actually, Adam was the one who the, the Lord had spoken to. He was to teach Eve. It's part of his name. That, that was how that would work. And, and so he knew and she knew. And yet they did it anyway. That was what rebellion looks like, is knowing what God wants and then doing what you want to do instead. And the result is cataclysmic. Everything changes at that moment. The eyes of both of them were opened. They realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They, they tried to fix this mess, but they were, everything was different. The atmosphere, I'm trying to see how big the change was. You have to know it changed everything. That moment changed everything on the planet. Everything was different from that time on. As, as amazing as it must have been at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit shows up and the wind rushes in and every, you know, everything just goes amazingly happening. It's the, like the opposite is happening at the fall. There's just this vacuum and everything that they'd known is undone. And uh, everything is different from that point on. And the rebellion impacts everything. The, the fall impacts everything. You continue to read on in Genesis, and you uh, there's some good news in Genesis 3.15, that one verse where God is sort of the beginning of the promise of restoration. If you go and look at that, that's a key verse um, that, that he's going to make a way. But from there, it's, it falls apart. Genesis 4, 5, 6, you know, you have the first murder happens. That would have never happened. You see all this strife that's taking place in relationships. There's a flood. Um, and then uh, there's these weird 
spiritual beings that are just wreaking havoc all over the planet and people like where are they coming from and the reality is that God created spiritual beings like he created natural beings um, he's the supreme being of all but he also wanted to cooperate with other spiritual beings just how God is he wanted to do this stuff together relationship is a big part of who God is and some of these spiritual beings rebel and they, they bring a huge mess onto the planet it becomes this horrible problem it builds and builds up into genesis 11 where we see the tower of babel start to happen and that's mankind really saying we don't need you god at all we're going to make our own heaven and uh, forget about you and and you know that is sort of scrambled by god ultimately but that's the state of the world you finally get to genesis 12 and there's this little bit of turning of the corner because the the rescue program the deliverance program sort of starts there with a little guy named abraham I don't know if he was a little guy, comparatively, I guess. But a fascinating choice to be how rescue is going to happen, how deliverance is going to take place uh, initially. Because Abraham's, he's a, he's a childless nomad. That's who's chosen. And the promises come to Abraham, and God makes a covenant with him in Genesis 15. Uh, that's an amazing covenant, and the covenant is really all based on God's going to do it regardless. God, this is what God's going to do, and the promise is that he's going to make his descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and through, through him, the whole world is going to be blessed again. It's, it's going to happen, and it starts with Abraham. And then if you continue to read Genesis, you know, you obviously you see you know, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the patriarchs, and we see Joseph, and then, then we see see the, the, the people of Israel are, are taken into captivity in Egypt. There as we, we get into the end of Genesis, the beginning of uh, the book of Exodus. And, uh, and so that's kind of the, the, the sort of the second act, which moves into this third act, which is the call of Israel to be the tabernacle people. So through Abraham now, the people of Israel are going to be chosen and called to be tabernacle people, temple people. Uh, whenever you see that word, think of a place where Heaven and earth can meet where God and man can be together. And we, we get into Act 3, and now we're into the Exodus story. And I've told you the Exodus story many times, because it, it runs that theme runs throughout the Bible, the story of Exodus, deliverance, um, how God delivers his people and rescues his people. And we see it there, how he delivers and rescues them from years and years and years of bondage and slavery. And he does it because of his faithfulness, not theirs. They weren't faithful at all at the time, but he honors his covenant and he rescues them and brings them to the Red Sea and takes them to Mount Sinai and he, he gives them the law. And the, the law um, defines the people of Israel, makes them different than everybody else. That was its purpose. Um, people, it's not the, how you get saved. It's not about good works. And, and when we sort of have that story, we can understand how how Jesus fulfills it all because um, now our identity is in Jesus and, and yet you have this stuff happening in Exodus and, and God's moving in mighty ways and then uh, he says this in verse uh, 25 Exodus 25 have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them now this is significant because uh, at the fall that place where heaven and earth meet was taken away. There wasn't a place any longer. That that whole thing had stopped. And now he's saying, look, have them make this 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 sanctuary for me, uh, this tent for me. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings of echoing the pattern. I will show you. He said, have them make this thing for me, and I will come and dwell there. And so there's going to be a place now, once again, where heaven and earth meet, where, where the presence of God is very real on earth. Heaven and earth is happening. God's Now, it's not like it was 
because this is a very restrictive sort of presence. He's there, he's kind of outside the camp, and there's not access to him. You know, Moses has access initially, and then, but it's not like everybody can just go. But there is a place where heaven and earth meet, and that's huge for us to know in the story, because we're going to keep wanting to see that happen. And then ultimately, when you read through Acts, you know, the, the, in the third act of this whole story, you got prophets, and you got kings, and you got the enemy at work, and you got all this mess going on, but it's still the same story continuing on. And then uh, at, at some point, you know, the, the kings happen and, and uh, Solomon comes on the scene and he builds a temple for God. And the temple then is where the glory of God comes and stays. It replaces the tabernacle. But now there's a place, again, more of a, you know, sort of settled place where this, this can happen. Heaven and earth meet. The presence of God is in the temple. Well, the rebellion continues, and because of those events, uh, other nations rise up, and what do they do? They come and they attack and they destroy the temple. And the people are carried away into exile. And now there's no place again where heaven and earth meet. It's a big problem. It's not happening. And um, the exile happens, and we read about, when we were looking at Nehemiah, the sort of the rebuilding of the temple uh, that, that happens. Ezra comes and rebuilds the temple, Nehemiah comes along, and he rebuilds the walls. And so we see this happen, and the prophets have said when they get the temple rebuilt, well then the presence of God will come back to the temple. But it doesn't. He doesn't come back to the temple when it's rebuilt. And there's this period where that just doesn't happen of hundreds of years, until the fourth act comes. And the fourth act just needs one word, Jesus. Jesus comes. Jesus arrives on the scene. Jesus comes, fully God, fully man. Jesus, 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 I like your t-shirt, I love Jesus too. Jesus. And, and Jesus arrives on the scene. And in John 1.14, this is so powerful. When you see this, it says, The Word became flesh, Jesus, and made His, what? His dwelling among us. The Word there is actually His tabernacle. Remember I tell you, it's a big part of this story. You've got to be looking for it when you're reading the Scripture. Dwelling, tabernacle, temple. Jesus comes. And we've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. See, Jesus, fully God, fully man. The absolute picture of heaven and earth coming together, of God being with people. It's, it's all happening in Jesus. And he even alludes to the fact that he's the temple when he says, you know, tear it down, I'll put it back in three days. He's talking about himself. Jesus is, is a picture of this whole process now. And then Jesus lives this amazing, perfect life for us. Thank you, Jesus. The life we couldn't live because uh, uh, we're rebellious and he's, he's Jesus. And he, he does his perfect life. Uh, he's got really a short ministry, three years. Of actual ministry. And in that three year time though, he changes everything. And, and he's the point, you know, that d defines time for us. We, we look at the place of Jesus' ministry and it's a, the, really the world is known as everything that happened before it and then everything that's happened since. That's the impact that he had in those three years. And he shows us, you know, what people are supposed to live like, what God intended humanity to be. He models it all for us. He lives it perfectly. And then he willingly goes to the cross on our behalf. That's a big part of the story. He goes because he knows that's what he's come to do. And, and then he goes to the cross and he lays his perfect life down as a sacrifice for us. And when he does, it pays for all of our brokenness and mess. He's made a way for us to be reconciled to God. He does that at the cross, willingly gives his life for us there. And then he dies and he's buried. Now... It actually says when, when he dies there, it says it is finished. And the, that part of the story is sort of finished because he's actually paid for our sin. And that's what he's saying there because the word that he says it is finished actually means paid in full. Very cool. Um, he's made that happen. But that's not the end of his story. And then Acts, Factor, Acts, uh, Acts, the fifth act of this thing happens. 
And the, the fifth act is from the resurrection, which Jesus does. He defeats death and he rises again until he comes back. We know he's coming back. That's the fifth act of this story. That's where we are right now. We're involved in this, this fifth act. We're fifth act people, if you want a way to look at it. And it makes a difference. How you live your life has a huge impact on, on what's coming. And so one of the things that happens is that when, when he goes, he sends the Holy Spirit. And this is significant. Paul tells us this. He says, don't you know, verse 16 of uh, 1 Corinthians 3, that you yourselves are what? God's temple. And that the, the God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, dwells in you. See, so Jesus, the temple, picture, he dies and he's resurrected and he's interceding for us at the right hand of the Father. And then, oh, now we're without a temple again. No, that's going to happen because the Holy Spirit comes and the Holy Spirit dwells us as believers. And so that's what Paul is trying to say. You need to see this picture of the temple that keeps running through. You're now the temple of God because the Holy Spirit dwells in you. Heaven and earth meet in you. This is huge. And, and I think that we, we have... Um, we don't understand how amazing that is, oftentimes. Everything else gets busy. And that when we do understand it, uh, it changes everything. When we understand that Holy Spirit dwells in us, that we're the place where heaven and earth meet, that we have God living in us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He comes and dwells in us. Um, it, we need to make sure that perhaps one of the most important things that we're doing on a constant daily basis is cultivating our relationship with Holy Spirit. That, that we're learning to yield to Him, that we're listening for Him, that we're asking Him. Because He's come to lead and guide and, and, and help and, and comfort and encourage and you know, lift us through. And, and that He's with us. I, I think about all those times when there was no place on the planet where heaven and earth met and how devastating that must have been. And now, because of what Jesus has done and the Holy Spirit has come, there's a place all the time where heaven and earth meet in us and we might not fully appreciate it. And so we need to be considering that in this story and, and I'm hoping that when you realize that, it encourages you to really plug in. See, because we're, we're fifth act people. And our stories make a difference. Our lives make a difference. We need to be looking and asking God how he wants us to live and the things that he wants us to do to have impact on the world around us. Because it makes a difference. And the, the impact we have lasts forever. Now, now we have the, the hope to do this because another thing happens at the end of this fifth act. And, and here's what happens. We've talked about it in Revelation 21, verses 1 uh, and following. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth... For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from where? Out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. There's that word dwelling again. And now among the people. And he will what? Dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be their God. This is a picture of the return to what happened in the beginning. In Genesis 1, the cosmic temple. Here's a place. You saw heaven, heavenly Jerusalem comes down. It comes down. We're out of heaven. Where? To earth. And heaven and earth are joined together again. The earth is recreated, if you would. Everything is made new. We had that whole discussion. Everything is set back on the earth to perfect. The earth isn't obliterated. It's made new. It's returned to that place of perfection. And us, uh, as believers in Christ, that, that resurrection happens to the whole planet. It happens to us. We get brand new bodies. Yeah, amen. That should, some of you ought to be going, woohoo! 
Some of you ain't there yet. Well, for a lot of us, it's like, woohoo. That was really hard on this one, God. Sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to take care of it now, but like, it was like a 40 year gap. <laughs> and so, the fifth act comes to a close. But that's still not over. But the rest of it is hard because it goes on forever and ever and ever and ever. And what happens is we're with God, set back into a place of perfection. And we have purpose and mission. We're not floating around on the clouds. We're here on earth, and it's perfect. It's per- you, you've never seen it perfect. Imagine. So I keep trying to tell you to imagine things. Like, you know, the other day I told you to imagine if the Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. If he's just a deposit, how good is our inheritance? If God is your deposit... I don't think that, that resonates with people. I don't know how to say it any better. You know, you, you generally, if you're going to make a deposit, you give maybe 10%. You, you got God as your 10%. What's the other 90% like? It, it ought to make you do an Irish dance. <laughs> Hands down. Hands up. The world... Restored the planet restored. I look, you know, I love to look at a sunset and a sunrise, and I love to look at the ocean. I love to look at mountains. We've been to Alaska. And you see all the, the, you know, the, the, the whales and the things jumping around and everything, and you, you think that's that's what it looks like broken. What's it like? Perfect. And we get to spend forever then with God in that place. But no mess, no brokenness, no shame, no fear, no dying, no pain. Enjoying creation, enjoying God, enjoying relationship forever. See, that's the bigger story. And when that's your story, it changes how you deal with day-to-day stuff that goes on. And, and I, my hope is that in the day-to-day stuff, when it's hard, it, you, you have that hope, and then you, you lean into the Holy Spirit, and you listen. And let him lead and guide you. And let him use even these difficult times in amazing ways that will last forever. So that's what we're going to be looking at. We'll tie all that together in the weeks ahead. So just kind of be thinking about that. I'm going to pop back into Genesis next week and get, get us into so many things that happen in Genesis 1 that I want to talk about. But, uh, but I hope you'll, you'll bear with me, okay? It's, I know it's foundation work isn't easy, but it's worth it. And uh, we're going to continue to press on together. All of this starts in a relationship with Jesus. That's how every day, that's how you get into his story. It's, it's asking him in. And so, um, we do a thing where this is our way of understanding it. We just ask God to forgive us of our sin because all of us have been rebellious and he does. And then we invite Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. So it's a prayer it's a, as simple as this. God, will you forgive me of all my sin? And Jesus, will you come into my heart and life and be my Lord and Savior? And, and if you pray that prayer and you mean it, that's the start of your story. And if you did it just then, that was the start of your story. If you were watching online and you did it, that's the start of your story. If you've done it, let me know, because I want to celebrate with you. Really, that's what it's all about. And we've, had, we've been doing this since Easter, and lots and lots of people have responded. Just text the word heart to that number that's on the screen, 305-745-7513. I know, and I can celebrate. And so, very cool if you did that. Also, let me say, as we're just about done, 
Thank you again, church, for your amazing generosity. We did an outreach again on Saturday. We blessed a lot of people. That was our 27th or 28th outreach like that in a row where we just gave stuff to the community. We gave food and paper goods and whatever, they, whatever we could do. And we're going to take a little break now from that, but you've done exceedingly well. And thank you for making that happen for all these weeks. Good job, church. Yeah, there's nothing, nothing quite like that. Uh, and your generosity has made that happen for all of you online. Thank you for figuring that out, how to do that. And there's ways to do that on the screen. There's offering boxes in here for those of you who are here. And uh, that's really, really good. Let's sing the doxology. We're close. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thanks for being here. Thanks for watching online. As you're leaving, please do not bunch up at the door. Go out this set of doors. They will open them for you. Make sure you're keeping your six six feet in in front of everybody. Um, Masks up, please. God bless you guys. We'll see you soon. Thanks for watching today's service from Keys Vineyard Community Church. Make sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.